it's episode 25. That's weird. What's better than 24? 25. <laughs> SpongeBob reference. You're welcome. Hi, everybody. <laughs> welcome to Don't Leave the House. Gosh, we're on episode 25. Holy shit. I know. I don't even know what to say about that. I really Thank don't. you guys for sticking with us this long. Yes, you guys are amazing. And I we just keep getting more of you. And it's just, I don't even know. I'm a little speechless. Right? I'm proud of us. I know. Woohoo! Drinks for that. Um, uh, well, Gemma started school. She did. She really likes it. The car line is crazy, and yeah, I'm obviously a new parent because I'm sure you guys are laughing at me right now, but the car line sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, life is still going. We're, we're nearing the end of August here, people. Yep. Getting into fall. Fall season hopefully will be better. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Right. Um, well... My story is one that I love so, so very much. Um, I know Amanda knows it, but for the 25th episode, I couldn't think of anything better. Just because it's it's Michael Malloy. Oh, yes. And you can't my not favorite. do Michael Malloy. This is my favorite. <laughs> you guys are going to love this. Okay. So, it's a doozy. It's a little long. But this shit's crazy, and you're going to love every goddamn second of it, I promise you. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> so, Michael Malloy, also known as the unkillable man. What was it? Michael the Michael of Steel, or... I don't know. <laughs> he has so many nicknames, it's not even funny. So, we're in July of 1932. And a plot was conceived over a round of drinks at a local speakeasy. Um, so Francis Pasqua, I think that's how you pronounce that, um, Daniel Chrisberg, and Tony Marino, Moreno, sorry, Marino, Moreno, whatever, Marino, uh, sat in Marino's speakeasy and began to plot the murder of good old Michael Malloy. Uh, Michael was an elderly man who was from Ireland. Um, he went to the bar in the Bronx every morning and requested, quote, another morning's morning, if you don't mind, end quote. Um, <laughs> this guy's great, you guys. I can't even explain. Um, so a few hours after drinking, he would pass out drunk on the floor. Um, for a while, Tony had let him drink on a tab, but he usually never paid it, and business was getting really bad for him. So... Pasqua, who was 24 and an undertaker, um, eyed Michael with his glass of whiskey hoisted to his mouth. No one knew much about Michael, except that he was from Ireland, really had no friends or family, um, no definitive date of birth, but most people assumed that he was around the age of 60. Um, he had no trade um, beyond the occasional sweeping alleys or garbage collecting jobs. Um, he was always happy to be paid in liquor rather than money. Um, sounds like my kind of guy. Um, the Daily Mirror wrote he was just part of the, quote, flostum and jetsum in the swift current of underworld speakeasy life. Those no longer responsible 
directlets who stumble through the last days of their lives in continual haze of Bowery smoke, end quote. Um, so as they watched Michael, Pasqua said to Tony, why don't you take out an insurance policy on him? He asked this question because he knew that Tony had pulled off such a scheme once before. Uh, the prior year, Moreno had, he was 27 at the time, had befriended a homeless woman named Mabel Carson and convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy, naming him as the beneficiary. And then on one frigid night, he force-fed her alcohol, stripped off her clothing, doused the sheets and mattress with ice water, and pushed the bed beneath an open window. Uh, the medical examiner listed the cause of death as bronchial pneumonia, um, and Moreno collected the money without incident. So, poor woman froze to death. That's so nice. Yeah, so he got her drunk, made her real cold, and got some money out of it. Real what a swell nice guy. person. Yeah, real swell guy. Um, so Tony nodded to him, and they both glanced over at Daniel, who was 29, a grocer and a father of three. Um, he decided, for the sake of his family, that he was in. Um, so the three of them began their plot to kill Michael Malloy, who would soon prove to be nearly immortal. Dude. <laughs> and when they say that, they mean it. He really damn near was. <laughs> so, uh, Pasqua offered to do the legwork, paying an unnamed acquaintance to accompany him to meetings with insurance agents. Um, so this acquaintance called himself Nicholas Melroy and gave his uh, occupation as a florist, a detail that one of Pasqua's colleagues in the funeral business was willing to verify. Um, it took Pasqua five months and a connection with an unscrupulous, unscrupulous, unscrupulous agent uh, to secure three policies, all offering double indemnity um, on Nicholas Mallory, Mel, Melroy's life. <laughs> There's too many M's in all this shit. Um, two of these life insurance policies. Um, so two with Prudentile Life Insurance Company and one with Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. Um, so he recruited Joseph Murphy, who was a bartender at Tony's Speakeasy, to identify the deceased as Michael Malloy and claim to be his next of kin and beneficiary. So it all went as planned. Pasqua and his cohorts would split 356, 300, wow, $3,576, which is about $54,000 today, um, after Michael died and uneventfully and anonymous. After he died as uneventfully and anonymously. Did I say that? Ominously. Right? Ominously. As he had one <laughs> lived. Oh, okay. Uh, so. <laughs> We're looking at five dudes here now. So that's only about 10 grand a piece. Right. To me, you gotta pay me a whole lot more than 10 grand to kill somebody, but. I mean, right. yeah. I'm just saying. So soon they became known as the Murder Trust. 
Um, so they now included a few other of uh, Tony Moreno's regulars, including petty criminals John McNally and Edward um, Tin Ear Smith. And then we got tough Tony Bastone and his slavish sidekick Joseph Magaloy. I'm going to go with that. Okay. So now we're at nine people. That's like six grand a piece. Really not worth it to me. Sorry. Um, so one night in December of 1932, they all gathered again at the speakeasy to commence the killing of good old Michael. At this point, Tony had offered Michael an, an unlimited tab. Um, so drink after drink was poured until Tony's arm was sore. Their goal was literally just so like for him to drink himself to death at this point. Right. So Michael stayed unfazed and soon thanked him for his hospitality and left. Less than 24 hours, he came back. Three days this continued, and Michael only paused to eat the complimentary sardine sandwich that was served him. Ew. Oh, my God. Like, whiskey and sardine sandwiches. Yum. Ugh. Right. the champions right there. For fucking real. <laughs> um, so on the fourth day, Michael comes in exclaiming, Boy, ain't I got a thirst. <laughs> the man I just picture Frank Gallagher. Yes, me too. Shameless, <laughs> yeah. guys. Any of you guys watch Shameless, it's Frank. Literally, he's Frank. Um, so, blah, 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 where was I? Okay, so Tough Tony. Good old Tough Tony. So there's two different Tonys. There's Tony, the speakeasy owner, and then there's Tough Tony. Right, right. So Tough Tony is starting to get impatient and suggested that somebody just simply shoot him in the head. Um, but Murphy <laughs> recommended exchanging Michael's shots of whiskey with shots of wood alcohol. Mm. So drinks that contain just 4% of wood alcohol can cause blindness. And by 1929, more than 50,000 people nationwide would have died from the effects of drinks that contained 4% of wood alcohol. Oh. So they just weren't going to taint his alcohol. They were literally just going to give him here shots. Um, so Murphy went to a nearby paint shop, got a few cans of wood alcohol, and at first he started Michael with just whiskey to make him feel pretty good, and then he switched over to the wood alcohol. Um, so... He downed each shot only to ask for more, displaying absolutely no signs of anything other than just being drunk. Um, night after night, this happened. So gross. Seriously. Like, night after night, shot after shot, the wood alcohol just going down. Just crazy smooth. shit, dude. Like, really? How is this not... How is that possible? Yeah. I want to know. Like, how is it not eating you from the inside out at this point? Seriously. So, at one night, or one night... After some shots have been flowing, uh, Michael crumbled to the floor without warning. The gang fell silent. Surely this means that he's dead. Uh, Pasqua knelt down by Michael's body and checked his neck for a pulse and then lowered his ear down to Michael's mouth. His breathing was slow and labored, and they decided to wait, watching his chest rise and fall sluggishly. Finally, there was a long, jagged breath, perhaps the de uh, death rattle. Nope. Michael was snoring. <laughs> uh, after a couple hours, he woke up, rubbed his eyes, sat back on the bar stool and said, give me some of the old regular, my lad. So 
just wanted to smore off his wood alcohol. Oh, man. <laughs> this guy. This guy. All right, so now the plot to kill Michael is becoming a little cost prohibitive. The bar tab, all the wood alcohol, the monthly premiums, everything was starting to add up. Um, Tony was getting worried that a speakeasy was about to go bankrupt. So tough Tony, again, suggested brutal force, but Pasqua had another idea. Um, Malloy was, uh, had a well-known taste for seafood, so why not soak some oysters in denatured alcohol and serve them to Michael? So they did. Uh, Pasqua said alcohol taken during a meal of oysters will almost invariably cause acute indigestion for the oysters tend to remain preserved. So as planned, he ate them one by one, savoring each and every bite, washing them down with his wood alcohol. They watched as again, not a damn thing happened. Dude. (laughs) Again, I'm not really sure if that was just, I don't know what soaking these oysters in alcohol really does to somebody's system. I don't know. I'm sure it's not good. I'm sure it's not good. I mean, what he just said didn't sound very pleasant, so. No. Yeah, even with just indigestion That would just make you straight fucking hammered. Like, if you've ever eaten, like, fruit out of some jungle juice or something. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, eating fruit or something soaked in alcohol. But it's denatured alcohol, which is just not good for humans. Exactly. Like, you're giving him things that literally say do not ingest on the bottle right yeah so and he's taking it like taking it like a goddamn champ (laughs) um so at this point killing him wasn't just about the money now it was a pride thing for them because they're stupid men and And they're like motherfucker we're gonna kill this bastard he's not gonna defeat us yeah like seriously this man won't die but fuck it no we're gonna fucking kill him so, Murphy tried next, letting a can of sardines rot for several days, and then mixed in some shrapnel, slathered it between two pieces of bread, and served it to Michael. It was, we're talking, like, broken glass and crap, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, shrapnel, so... And, like, shards of metal and shit. Yeah, like, so, like, metal shards, shards of glass, sharp, dangerous things that should not be in somebody's stomach. Um... So they thought at any moment that the shrapnel would surely tear through his intestines and insides, but instead, he just finished it and asked for another one. (laughs) (laughs) This man. Um, So, uh, where was I? Um, So the gang then called an emergency meeting. They had no idea how to handle the situation. Um, Moreno calls his success with Mabel, or recalls his his hip... (laughs) his success with Mabel and suggests that they ice out Michael. So that evening, they tossed him into the backseat of Pasqua's car, drove down to Crotona Park, and lugged the man through heaps of snow. They disposed of him on a park park bench and stripped off his shirt and then dumped bottles of cold water over his chest and head. He never once even stirred. Boy was out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, when Moreno got to his speakeasy the next day, he found Malloy half frozen in his basement. Somebody, uh, somehow he had walked the half mile back and persuaded Murphy to let him in. Um, and when he came in, all he did was complain of a wee chill. 
<laughs> Just a wee chill. You, okay, there, first laddie. of all, that was a dumb idea. He's got so much alcohol running through his veins. He's not freezing. Oh no, soon. he's probably hottest. Well, yeah, I mean, alcohol doesn't freeze for one. Two, that shit warms you up. I'm sure you're fine. Yeah. Plus, you gave him all this other types of alcohol and shit. Like, yeah, he's not gonna freeze. That was a stupid idea. Yeah, you guys are not smart. Just, yeah. But I mean, also, Michael stop was trying also... to kill people. Uh, that too. That needs to be first on the list, actually. Um, so, oh, frozen in the basement, we chill. Okay, so February was starting to come fast and another insurance payment was due. Um, so, John McNally wanted to run Malloy over with a car and Tin Ear Smith was um, a little bit skeptical, but all the others were really intrigued. Um, so... Magaloyne offered the service of a cab driver, Harry Green, whose cut would be a total of just $150, which really, $150 to run somebody over? Yeah. Come on now. I mean, I'm sure that was worth a little more back then, but still. Okay, that still can't be more than like a thousand bucks. There ain't no way. Um, so they all piled in the cab, Malloy drunk across their feet, and drove a few blocks away and then stopped. The Stone and Murphy... Uh, grabbed him, dragged him, I can type apparently, dragged him down the road, road, holding him up crucifixion style. Green gunned the engine and everybody braced. From the corner of his eye, um, Magaloyne saw a quick flash of light. Stop, he yelled, and the cab lurched to a halt. Green determined that it was just a woman turning on a light in her bedroom, and so he went again. Malloy leaped out of the way, not once, but twice. On the third time, Green uh, raced to him at about 50 miles per hour, two thuds, one loud, one soft. Body on hood, then on the ground. For good measure, Green then backed up over him, and the gang was sure that he was dead, so they just left him because um, they saw a car coming up, so they just left him without even checking. Um, so Joseph Murphy had then called around um like the morgues and the hospitals and stuff looking for his missing sibling um so they could collect the insurance money but nobody had any info nor were there any reports of a fatal accident happening or anything like that so they're like what the fuck (laughs) so then five days later pasco was planning to kill another drunk dude when in came a limping battered bangled michael malloy his greeting? I sure am dying for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Michael remembered parts of the night, and he recalled the taste of whiskey, the cold slap of night air, a glare of rushing lights, then blackness. <laughs> Next thing so you do. typical Tuesday for Michael. <laughs> really? It's like, this is normal. Nothing's weird. <laughs> Next thing he knew, he woke up in a warm bed at Fordham Hospital in Really only wanted to get back to the bar. Of course. Because they're not going to let him drink in a hospital. I'm telling you, this is Frank Gallagher, you guys. It's fucking Frank. So then on February 24th, wow, 21st, 1933, seven months after this whole thing had begun, Michael Malloy finally died. He was found in a tenement near uh, 168th Street, less than a mile from the speakeasy, a rubber tube ran from a gaslight fixture to his mouth, and a tile was wrapped tightly around his face. A tile? A towel. Towel. 
Foul. <laughs> That's the word. Jeez. Dr. Frank Menzella, a friend of Pasqua, Pasqua's, uh, filed a phony death certificate saying that his cause of death was pneumonia. <laughs> okay. That would never fly here. I'm just going to point that out because um, pretty sure gas inhalation and pneumonia are two very different. Well, I mean, this is the 30s. I mean, I'm, I said in today's world. Um, so the gang only got $800 out of the whole thing by the end of it. Um, and Murphy and Moreno used their shares to go and buy new suits. Um, Pasqua arrived at the prudential office ready to collect the two other, um, insurance policies, but was greeted by an agent with a surprising question. Quote, when can I see the body? He said, (laughs) he replied, Pasqua replied with, oh, he's already buried. Oh. So then an investigation ensured and everybody began talking and everyone eventually faced charges. Frank Pasqua, Tony Moreno, Daniel Kriegsberg, and Joseph Murphy were tried and convicted of first degree murder. Perhaps one reporter mused, the grinning ghost of Mike Malloy was present in the Brox County Courthouse. Ha. Of course he was. Of course he fucking was. He was like, motherfuckers can't get me. Nope. Like, literally, they had to force a tube of gas and pump it into his system until he fucking died. I'm just gonna, like, what the fuck? Um, the charter members of the murder trust were sentenced to the electric chair at Sing Sing, which killed them all on the very first try. <laughs> <laughs> and that, my friends, my favorite. is the fucking crazy-ass story of the unkillable... Michael Malloy. Dude, he's great. (laughs) This week I took it like a different direction than we've really ever gone before. I don't know how you guys are going to take this episode. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, I'm intrigued. So I did weird radio stations. Huh. Um, There's a bunch out there, and I mean, I feel like mostly they're all based off of the same type of situation but they're all creepy and weird and what do you mean exactly by weird radio station i don't know how to explain it so i guess i'll just jump in all right all right so we're gonna start with like the least creepy one okay and we'll go from there okay so this first one's called the yosemite sam station huh this weird ass radio station popped up december 19th of 2004 it ran on four different frequencies, and it disappeared on the 23rd, and then reappeared a few months later in February of 2005. When it came back, it had a few additional frequencies, and the broadcast came seven seconds after the hour, so like every every hour, so like one of one o'clock and seven seconds, 12 o'clock, seven seconds. That's okay. It started at that specific time every hour. And it would start on one frequency, and then 10 seconds later, it would start on another one, and then on another one, like when you sing in rounds. Yeah. I don't, okay, that's weird. And it would play in a loop for two minutes at a time. It started with a data burst. I don't know how to explain that sound to you, but you would, okay, so you know, I'm sure you guys watch like ghost adventures and shit like that. You know the EVPs, mm-hmm. how it's like like that weird sound. Like that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically a data burst. Okay. So it starts with that, and then it goes into Yosemite Sam yelling, "Varmint, 
I'm gonna blow you to smithereenies. <laughs> what the fuck? And it would do that over and over for two minutes straight. Why? I don't know. What the fuck? Um, reports suggest that the transmission was coming from somewhere in the desert in Albuquerque. Two guys claimed that they found the source of the broadcast in 2005, and they traced it to the Maddox Center in a building that was owned by the Laguna Industries near Laguna in New Mexico, which is about 50 miles southwest of Albuquerque. The men left the site with a quickness, though, because as soon as they got up there, these security guards approached them and... They had to leave, and weirdly enough, three hours after they were kicked off of the site, the radio broadcast stopped and has never been heard again. What? So was this like a like a code thing? Probably, but it's weird, so I thought that's I'd talk fucking about it. weird. Why Yosemite like Sam? What the fuck does that what even is mean? He? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's I'm not okay with that. Okay. So, like I said, some of these stories are like, this This is a whole different direction than I've ever taken it before. No, but these but are, we do weird shit. This is fucking weird. It's super weird. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I threw, the last story I told is actually like a personal story. Okay. So, it'll be fun. Okay, so the next one is Lincolnshire Poacher Station. Okay. This one was formed sometime in the 1970s, or at least they think so. Okay. And they think it was sometime during the Cold War. Um, it was most likely used for communication between operatives. A lot of different countries did this, even in World War II. Like, it was really popular in World War II. Okay. So, like, like the KGB, for example. They would send operatives to America, and then they'd play over this weird radio station it's something nobody else would understand except the people that they right, needed so to hear it. more different code shit. Right. Um, the station was believed to be used by the British Secret Intelligence Services. It played the English folk song, The Lincolnshire Poacher, which is why the station's called that. Mm-hmm. And between... Or that was played in between transmissions, and then when the transmission came, it was a 10-minute call signal. I couldn't find what it was specifically, but I'm assuming it was numbers and letters or something, because that's usually what they were. Right. But it said that it was like an eerie, electronic female voice with a British accent that would say the things. Ew. And also sang the song. Like, it wasn't... Song, it, yeah, they weren't really playing the song, it was like this electronic woman's voice. So, I imagine like my Australian Siri, yeah, but we're talking like song. in the 70s, so that's fucking weird. It's probably much creepier sounding than that. I didn't look up the specific one, but there were. If you guys want to listen to these stations, you can find clips on YouTube, and some of them are still active. I'll tell you which ones. Ew. Um. In 2008, all broadcasts stopped, but it had a sister station that was pretty much the same thing, but it was called Cherry Ripe because it was a song called Cherry Ripe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's believed that basically they just transferred the messages they would have been putting on the Lincolnshire Poacher to Cherry Ripe. Right. So it's probably the same thing. Interesting. The next one is... The UVB-76, 
or the buzzer. Hmm. Um, this station, pretty much like the rest of them, is probably used for secret communications of some sort. Right. Um, this was assumed to be a Russian station. Some people think that it may have been one of the stations that was created to search the airwaves for signals for nuclear attacks. Okay. They actually had, like, it would intercept them and, like, turn them off. Like, they're headed one direction and it would, like, point them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Jesus. We're doing this later than usual. Sorry, yes, guys. it's kind of late. Oh. Um, that's... Well, that's creepy, though. So it's like Eagle Eye, where it's just like, nope, you're turning left fucking now, regardless of if you want to or not. Right. It's kind of weird. And some people think this is still active, like, doing that. Right. So do you think they're just trying to, like, stop people from getting to a specific area or something? Well, they're stopping anybody from sending a nuclear bomb at Russia. If, if that does what it's supposed to do, nobody could send a nuclear bomb to them. Oh. Because it would just deflect it, basically. Uh, oh. Okay. Um, this station has a continuous repetition. It's like one to two seconds of like a buzz noise, and then one to th- one and a half seconds in between the buzz. So it's like it's like beeping, but the beeps are buzzes. Ew. And then it occasionally is interrupted by a voice that's speaking in Russian. These broadcasts were numbers and words spelled out using names. For example, one of them was 18008-BROMAL-7427-9914. Boris, Roman, Olga, Mikhail, Anna, Larissa, 74279914. Hmm. So, like, it said it, and then it, like, broke it down. Right. That one was transmitted in December of 1997. Then there was another one that I wrote down, but I'm sure you guys don't want to hear me just do this all night. So, uh... There's been several more, honestly. Yeah. That one was in August of 2010. In May of 2020, so not that long ago, <laughs> the buzzer was interrupted by a third-party transmission that was probably sent by some French fishermen. Hmm. A few hours later, the station started playing some Russian music. Two days later, the station was interrupted again, probably by the same fishermen. On May 30th, music was playing over the frequency. On June 9th, two things happened. The buzzing generator broke down and Morse code, or wait, but the buzzing returned only seconds later. So something, it it probably has like a generator. So it stopped and then like kicked right back on. And then after that, there was multiple transmissions of Morse code and no one knows where it was coming from. Weird. June 16th, the buzzer stopped out of nowhere again, but it came back like an hour later. July 15th, a message of unknown origin came across a frequency that was just below the buzzer's frequency. Mm -hmm. The message couldn't have come from the UV-76 because the buzzing never stopped. So it was like another frequency was playing on top of it. Ew. The message was in English and only contained... Numbers, no letters, and only one word appeared that was the message, attention. It was just one word. 
Weird. August 16th, so, you Four know, days, five just days a few ago. days ago, on the buzzer's frequency, there was another music playing, or another, there was some more music playing. <laughs> another music. And some carrier tones, and the same day, slightly above the frequency, there was transmissions that had spectrograms of animal sounds. So a spectrogram is like what I look at when I'm editing. So right, like, yeah. Of animal sounds, Pokemon characters, SpongeBob characters, what? which is funny because you said I did. Oh, we went full circle today. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was some Latin and Cyrillic characters and phrases. Ew. There's two sister stations that are pretty much the same. They're called the Pip and the Squeaky Wheel. These are some weird-ass fucking names for radio stations. I'm sorry. That's what? And like I said, I know this is, like, way different from anything we've ever done before, but I just thought it was weird, and I was like, oh, that's weird. I want to talk about it. No, it's fucking weird. And there was a lot more than what I'm talking about, but, I yeah, mean, I'm sure. they're all fairly similar. Yeah. It seems like they're just more or less used for secret communication. Yeah, but why do they have to make it sound so scary? <laughs> yeah, no. Not like. Okay. Because, I mean, it sounds cute. Oh, it's just Spongebob sounds. No, dude. Like, these are, like... Devonic Spongebob? Yeah, because they play in, like, these electronic, weird... Ew, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't like it. Yeah. So, this next one, personally, I thought was the creepiest one, and you'll see why. Oh. <laughs> um, this one... Started in the 70s. Well, okay. So I saw at one point that it started in the 70s and then ended in the 80s. But then another source said that it started in the 50s and ended in the 90s. So I don't... There's that. You know. Okay. I don't know which one. Right. Sometime. Uh, this transmission is creepy as shit. It's a recording of a music box version of Swedish Rhapsody Number no. 1 by... The composer Hugo Alfen. What the fuck? The song plays for five straight minutes, and then it comes into this super creepy ass little girl voice that speaks German. Ew! It gives out several different grouped messages that are repeated, and I'll play the clip for you. Hold on. I hate it. I just see a clown. I'm not. Ugh. I literally have goosebumps. Me too. And I'm also sweating. Ugh. What the actual fuck is that? <laughs> that that sound is not going to leave my brain all night long. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm going to have that in my nightmares tonight. So <laughs> I'm going to have a dream I told of that you, song. Some of these are creepy. And like I didn't play clips of all of them, but I mean, they're all creepy, you guys. They're not like cute little songs. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. I'm sorry this episode was short, you guys. I have one more little story. It's been story. a really long week. Forgive us. Yes. So one more little story about radios. And this one's a personal story. <laughs> so 
My husband is an electrician. I don't know if I've said that before on the show or not. I don't know. <coughs> oh my god, it's my turn to die. Yep. <laughs> um. Sometimes, like when he goes out on his jobs and stuff, he asks me to like take stuff to him. You mm-hmm. know. And there was this one time he was working on like this old church. And he and this coworker were sent there for like there was a lot of stuff that needed to be done really. Yeah. But one of the most important things was they needed to fix whatever the problem was with the sound system because it kept getting interrupted during the sermons and stuff. Ugh. And so the day I go to drop off whatever it was, I can't even remember what it was, but he asked me to drop something off to him. So I get there and he's like, dude, you have to come look at this. And I'm like, okay. So I go in and he literally takes me over to like the utility closet where like the hot water heater and shit goes. Yeah. And there's this creepy ass, like old ass, like 1920s type shit music playing from this closet. Ew. They spent three days in this church trying to figure out where the fuck it was coming from and they finally were like, I don't know what to tell you and left. <gasps> oh my god. That's yeah. fucking terrifying. I know. Oh my god. So I don't know if anybody ever figured it out but they sure the fuck never did. I mean, that's <laughs> like the haunted radio in the van at work. Yeah, it's weird as shit. I don't like it at all. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, sorry again, guys, about the short episode. It was a really hectic week. Gemma's first week of school and Haley moving restaurants. and Yeah. It was just crazy. Life's just a whole lot right now. But thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate you guys. We made it 25 episodes. Who would have thought? Definitely not us. Not us. <laughs> um. <laughs> so thank you. Um, please go follow us on all of our socials. Don't leave the house. Don't leave the house podcast at gmail.com. Go support us on Patreon. Um, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much as always. Don't ever forget for the 25th time. Don't, don't leave, leave the, the house. house. Don't leave the house. Dude.